does leadership matter in the arts? I think it does. I think the definition of a leader and an innovator are very much the same thing. They're highly interrelated. As artists, so often we feel like we're not entitled to lead. So what does it take to be a leader and how do I become one? That's this week on the Fuse Chamber podcast. You're listening to the Fuse Chamber podcast, where you get the elite mindsets and skills to ignite your voice and build your audience. I'm your host, Chris Williams, and I want to help you live the life you really want. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm uh, pleased to announce that I'll be back in Oshawa for a second event with my good friends out there in Culture Counts. And I had such a good time the first time, and I know I'll be seeing some of you again, and I'm hoping to meet some new faces as well. And this podcast in particular is dedicated to you. So it's a bit of an advanced discussion around our topic for the evening, which is learning to plan, collaborate, and lead. Before we get into it, let's remember why we're here. To create the next generation of leaders in arts, business, and community. To create an elite tribe of powerful, successful professionals who redefine how artists and entrepreneurs can do what they really want to do with their lives, full of passion and without compromise. I'll show you who you have to become in order to win, and I'll be here to inspire you each and every week so that you stay inspired and stay driven. This investment of 15 minutes a week will create habits that forever change your life and career. Whether you're an artist, musician, entertainer, painter, writer, dancer, or whether you're an arts and culture worker, there's a huge demand for leadership. What I'm trying to do is build a tribe of professionals who are so visionary, so passionate, that they are literally forging their own way. Now, you can see how that would be really valuable as an artist because everyone wants to be an original, right? No one wants to be a follower. So by definition, by contrast, you kind of have to be a leader. But it's equally possible that you have a very strong passion for the arts. You don't necessarily want to be a creator, but you definitely want to work in the industry. Set designers, prop masters, riggers, ushers, librarians, custodians, all of those jobs stem from the same dedication and passion for the arts, the same willingness to serve the arts community. And I think if you have a passion, if you have a vision for those things, you require leadership skill in order to make them real. Because one thing that I found to be true, no matter where I go or who I speak to, is that all of you want to make a difference. You want to serve. And sometimes it's really hard for us to think, as we're working a 9-to-5 job, reporting to 16 layers of bosses, and forced to abide by somebody else's rules just so we can receive a steady paycheck, we think it's really difficult to be leaders. But to be honest, the definition of a leader is simply somebody who goes first. If you're an artist and you value being an original, that means you have to go first. If you're a person simply looking to make a difference in your community and you feel that the place you work is not set up to help make that difference, once again, you have to go first. Leadership does not require permission. Now, on the flip side, I'm not sure everyone is entitled to lead on day one of their first job in their career. But what I've noticed is that with a certain amount of experience, a certain amount of time, after you've observed how your industry works, what kinds of problems you might be uniquely helpful in solving, 
Once you've had time to develop really strong feelings and passions about the world you live in and the industry you work in, there comes a moment when it just feels right to start leading. But it's also important to say that I would never want to discourage young people from finding their leadership voice. Most of the great movements from the civil rights movement all the way up to the current gun control movement that's sweeping across the United States starts with and is depending on very young people. So once again, there's kind of no rules about leadership, is there? It's something that anyone can do at any time. What it really boils down to is that picture in your head and the conviction to move forward. So how do you lead? What book should you get? Funny thing about leadership is it's one of the most studied topics in our culture. The self-help section of your local bookstore is jammed with books on the topic, but I don't think anyone really addresses it well. Leadership does not mean power, first of all. Be wary of anyone who wants a leadership role because they want power. People who seek to lead because they want to have control or dominion over others are exactly the kinds of people who should not be leaders. People instead who seek to serve end up becoming leaders whether they want to or not. So here are some of the qualities that I think make for great leadership. Number one, it requires tremendous courage. As a leader, you will frequently have to say things that are unpopular, but you can't let popularity guide your vision. The ability to speak your mind and stay true to your principles and ideals takes guts. And there will be times, my friends, where you won't be sure if you're doing the right thing. There will be times when you will speak and no one will listen. And it's in those moments when you'll question, am I the right person to lead? Does my vision matter? If you're an usher in a movie theater and you truly believe that you make the world better by enhancing a moviegoer's experience, maybe explaining to a customer waiting in line the history of the film, the history of the theater, or giving a critical review of the film, of the direction. If you believe that you make the world better by doing those things, then you need to do them. And there will be times when your boss will tell you that you can't, that you shouldn't. There will be times when the people in line won't appreciate your insights and they'll simply look the other way. It's in those moments when you'll question, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing? Does this matter? Do I matter? And it takes tremendous courage to answer yes and to keep doing it, even if you're not sure it's the right thing. If you buy those books on leadership from your local bookstore, you're going to read stories about great leaders who became great simply because they had courage in those moments of greatest doubt. Where are you going to get all that courage from? Well, two places in my opinion. One, your vision gives it to you. So if you have a vision, and better still if your vision is founded in service, it's that picture of the future that you can't let go of that will make you do things you otherwise wouldn't have the bravery to do in the times when you most need to do them. Number two, practice. So yeah, you may have a super compelling vision, but when it comes down to brass tacks, it's hard to stick your neck out, risk your job, risk rejection, risk whatever. And the first couple of times you do it, you might hesitate, you may not go through with it, you might stumble, you might be nervous. But with repetition, with practice, you get better at being courageous. It's a learned skill. Don't think that courageous is something that you're born with, that it comes from intestinal fortitude somehow. In life, it's important to practice the fundamentals, and practicing being brave is one of those fundamentals. Never stop practicing courage. Now, what might seem to be the inverse of courage is humility. We might think that a courageous person is very brash, is very loud, 
maybe even arrogant, but nothing could be further from the truth. If you think about having a service-based mindset, it should be apparent that humility, and that includes a spirit of continuous learning, a preparedness to be wrong, a willingness to fail, those qualities are extremely important because there's nothing more poisonous than being sure that you are right. Well, wait a second. I thought having a service-based vision puts you on a path to certainty. The vision is supposed to be that guiding voice that you follow, right? So how can it be wrong? Well, hold on. There's a difference between staying true to your vision and admitting that you don't know how to do everything right just yet. It's actually even true that your vision itself could theoretically change. As you learn and grow and experience more, you may come to value different things. You may completely achieve your mission and have to move on to something else. All of these things require that you have the humility to say, I could do better. I could be more. I could learn more. To realize the differing insights and viewpoints from the people around you that you meet will only make you stronger, not weaker. So there's nothing about leadership that requires you pretend you know everything and that you think that you're always right. Think about it. The best bosses you've ever had are the ones who are willing to listen and prepare to sometimes accept input if it served the greater good. That's the cool thing about a vision. It's just a picture of the future. It doesn't dictate all the steps you need to get there. It just shows you what the thing looks like when it's done. Humility also means that you're not afraid to ask for help, that you're prepared to realize that you can't do it all alone. It's also the recognition that no one person achieves a vision single-handedly. It is almost always the result of an orchestrated effort of dedicated, loyal, hardworking people around you. I think one of the important qualities of a leader, and in fact, one of the secrets to being considered charismatic, is to listen more than you talk. Some people say there's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth, because you should listen twice as much as you speak. It's cute, but it's also very wise. The easiest way to engage and captivate another person is to shut your mouth and let them talk about their favorite subject, which is usually themselves. And not just listening, but being present, actively listening and hearing what they're saying to stop thinking about what you're going to say next in order to look smart, but rather to find opportunities to empathize, ask questions, and to learn more. This is how you care about other people. And caring about other people makes you the most effective leader you can be because at the end of the day, followership is about trust. If you stand in a room barking out orders, you're not leading. It's only when you have people who align to your vision and want to follow you and want to help you get there that you're actually a true leader. Another thing a leader has to get used to is be prepared for the loneliness and be prepared for the haters. There are times as a leader when the things that you do or say once again are going to be unpopular. Not everyone will agree with you. And in the very beginning, you may have absolutely zero followers. You may be the only person who believes in what you believe in, but every great movement starts that way. Now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, not having followers, I could hack that, but I really couldn't stand it if someone hated me. And you know what? You got to be so careful with that one because that one stops more people from putting themselves out in the world than any other factor. You have to realize that the moment you put your opinion out there in the world, you're going to have some people say thumbs up and then some people are going to attack you. You need to realize 
that you will never please 100% of the population. It's just impossible. The only way to do that is to never say anything. But if you never say anything, you can't lead, and I don't think you can ever make your vision come true. You definitely can't serve. So guess what? You're going to have to get good at the rejection. People may tell you you're completely wrong, and they may actually end up being right. You may fall flat on your face. You may totally fail. Well, you have to get used to all of it. If you're not comfortable with any of those things, you might as well quit now because this is just part of the leadership game. If you want to be a true original, you have to stick yourself out there and you have to prepare yourself to weather the negative feedback, the negative criticism, and the haters, period. There's no shortcuts. You just have to get used to it. Can you ignore it? Can you shut it off? To a point, yeah, but some of them are going to cut. Some of them you are absolutely going to feel. The one thing that you can't do if you want to be a dignified, esteemed leader is react emotionally. So when you do get negative criticism or feedback, you can choose to not acknowledge it, or if you acknowledge it, you acknowledge it with grace. Never argue. Never defend. Never justify. Now that was a real fake it till you make it thing. You will get to a point where you have so much confidence that the criticism just kind of falls flat. In fact, you won't even have time to react to it because you're not going to be spending your time reading your Facebook comments. You're going to be busy out there crushing it. But in the beginning, when you're waiting for that validation, not to tell you that you're a valuable person, but to give you some kind of sign that you're on the right path, that the thing you're doing has the capacity to groundswell, to gain followers, to gain support. When you're first waiting for that feedback, something negative will come in and it'll hurt. This is important to you. Why is it important to everybody else? So you'd be tempted to react with anger, with hurt. Those are natural sensations, but for the beginning, you have to control it. You have to resist. You have to resist the temptation to answer back with a big, long diatribe. You can't defend your point of view on logic because guess what? The criticism doesn't come from a place of reason. It comes from a place of emotion and fear. Yes, that's true. Your haters are always coming at you from a place of emotion and fear. Once you learn to empathize with that, once you learn to respect that, you understand that you don't have to respond at all. And if you do respond, respond with empathy and love. That's going to be really hard sometimes, but it's an important skill to master. Next important leadership skill Make promises, keep promises, and never quit. This requires massive resilience. It requires the ability to blindly follow your vision on days when it just doesn't make sense anymore. It requires that you become a person of your word. Your integrity matters as a leader. Take a look around at the modern political environment. Ever since we've been able to watch our leaders on television, or follow them through reported journalism, we've been able to inspect their character, and the leaders that we simply can't trust and follow are those whom we don't respect. It almost doesn't matter where your moral line is, but once you set it, you can't cross it. Even if only for the reason that you need trust to build a following, make a habit of valuing your promises more than anything else. So when you make a promise, you keep that promise. When you show up, You show up with everything you've got. You never shortchange or cheat a customer. And another commitment that you have to make, another promise that you have to keep, is to never quit on the vision. You, of all people, can't say, that's it, enough, 
This is stupid. I'm done with it. Even when your last follower has left your side, you have to be the one to stay in the fight. And like everything else we've mentioned up to this point, where are you going to get all these great qualities? Number one, remember, your reason for doing everything matters more than anything. So that vision, that purpose, is what's going to keep you on the straight and narrow, but also, all of these things you got to practice. Where I'm trying to get people to these days is the notion of living a life of distinction. To simply show up and deepen the path that those who have come before have carved for us is not leadership. I think we only really summon courage when we're doing something that has truly never been done before. It is exactly the idea that is unpopular, that is unheard of, that is unheralded, that is worth pursuing and defending. Don't settle for a life of sameness. Too often we wish we were like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, and so we attempt to duplicate their actions, their way of thinking, their way of being, not realizing that what made them innovators and leaders in the first place was the fact that they did something that had never been done before. So by definition, we can't follow or mimic anybody's path. We have to create something that is uniquely our own. And I feel like when you do that, not only are you a leader, but now you're an artist. I think that's where the validity comes from. So I'm really into encouraging people to live a life of originality, to break free from the notions of what life is supposed to look like, how you're supposed to behave in this world and what the world expects of you. Do instead what you are called to do. And I think you become a leader by extension. Folks, thanks for listening. You can reach out at FuseChamber.com or find me on Twitter at FuseChamber. Tune in for some more insight and coaching next week.